Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, joined as always by Ann Thompson, and we've got a ton of film festival lineups to discuss, which is always nice. We spend months sort of salivating over possibilities, but now we've got Venice and Tiff, and we were all ready to just dive right into it until Will Smith posted a friggin' apology <laughs> to YouTube, which, uh, well, is it an apology? I guess it's an apology. It was a lot. It's a half-assed of- apology <laughs> in my humble opinion. Here's the thing. Maybe it's generational, Eric, but shouldn't he be ashamed of himself? Yeah, He's trying not to be ashamed of himself. It's a, It's some kind of, you know, that he and Jada have therapists up the wazoo and they're trying to to not carry you know toxic shame or something but honestly he you know he he apologized but he he kept saying he didn't want to feel bad about it <laughs> yeah but also like the format of the video was like so strange because he like took these questions that are superimposed on the screen like why didn't you apologize to chris in your speech and he just said like you know it was all a blur to him but all you have to say is I should there have was 30 done minutes that. there, by the way, 30 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. yeah there was plenty minutes of time to, to figure, figure out but what also he was it's like, say. just, just acknowledge that was a mistake. It's like fascinating to me when fixing a problem is seems so simple and somebody at that level with all these people around them can't necessarily get there. But I'm also wondering why now, right? Why is something dropping now? Well, this is part of, I mean, he's got crisis PR. He's got lots of different um, vested interests. This is about restoring his credibility as a movie star, restoring his relationship to his fans. You can see that was buried in there. I hope my fans will still be with with me. me. If you stick with me, it might be worth it. Because by the way, emancipation coming soon to Apple TV. Exactly. There's a lot, but also Eric, come on. There's a lot of money on the line here. This is a major global movie star with movies coming up and, and he's worried that he's not going to get roles. He's not going to get cast, that he's going to get canceled. Uh, There's a lot of stuff going on here. And, you know, Chris Rock did emerge recently and said something on his tour about being hit and how much it hurt um, and how he picked himself up and dusted himself off and started all over again. And in a very uh, approving, I I approve of how Chris has handled this, but I also thought it was interesting that he, they were, Will was casting it like now it's about me and Chris making up. This is what has to happen. If it's on Chris, Chris has to reach out to him. Yeah, no, that's definitely not happening. He also then went on a weird tangent about how he used to be really tight with Tony Rock and Tony, that's that's irreparable. So he used the word irreparable. So he kind of knows that part of the equation is not really going to happen. Anyway, there's no Will Smith movies at the fall festival this year. No emancipation, uh, none of that stuff. So we'll, we'll have to put a pin in that one and see how it develops. But we have plenty of other stuff to talk about, thankfully. Oh my um, God, is the dropped, news is breaking. Tiff dropped. And we know that some stuff is at Telluride as a result of that. So why don't we start 
with this very meaty Venice lineup. One thing that I think we both kind of took away from this that um, was validated when we did a joint interview with Cameron Bailey was that whereas during the pandemic early on, these fall festivals felt like they, were, they, they had to project an image of solidarity. They were working together and all that kind of stuff. They are not working together. There's a lot of competition. They, lot we, of we're back to normal. We're yeah, back to not, normal. They're being very, very competitive about world premieres. And, yeah. and you know the drill, you know, uh, Venice picked up a lot of steam during the pandemic, but it was the luck of the calendar really for them with, with the COVID uh, virus and the pandemic. And then Tiff was the one that got hurt the most because they were in the fall and and telluride was able to go live uh last year it it's a it's a it's an interesting thing because telluride of course keeps it all secret whereas uh venice is um up front and then uh tiff if you read through the announcement the code is if it says quote unquote canadian premiere or international announcement you know you need to have the announcement then then you can figure out that that's what's going to telluride Right. Right. Or you could be like Alberto Barbera from Venice and just start talking about movies going to tell you, right. As he did in some of his interviews. He scuttled the, any chance that that, uh, Julie Hunsaker had of getting a sneaky uh, showing of, of the, of the Fablemans Uh, according to universal, that was never happening, but of course everybody's sort of backtracking. And he can always say he misspoke, but there was an interview he did with variety where he listed a bunch of other stuff like tar, for example, being a tell you, we know, I mean, you can tell you ride really cannot protest. You know, they supposedly have no world premieres, but Julie Hunsaker plays that game. She's competitive. She wants that. She wants the talent to go there. We know that uh, Timothy Chalamet, you know, is, is stuck in Europe uh, working on Dune 2. This is a terrible problem to have, um, but he's going to Venice and he's not going to go to any of the North American festivals. That's, That's Bones and all the Luca Guadagnino yeah. uh, cannibal road trip movie one of the ones that that stands out that is a venice uh, exclusive in that respect but there are actually quite a few i mean we that's see why that... i mean that's why it's a question of who, where he could go yeah so then we have the inuritu film at venice bardo which is not in the toronto lineup seems like it's probably going to tell you right that seems to be the expectation there but that's a, that's going to be a pretty significant road for him to travel because it's a, a Netflix film. It's his, him going back to Mexico. It's a more personal kind of project of sorts, but not having the, the TIFF bump is still a factor, right? Because if you don't have that sort of triangulation, then TIFF comes along and there's, there's a pause. Uh, Blonde is another one that's going to Venice and it's opening in late September and does not appear to be in the TIFF lineup. And, and what did you make of that trailer this week, by the way? I thought Anna it looked really good. I mean, I think Anna de Armas is definitely selling it. She's got the, the goods to, to present. I mean, Michelle Williams did too. I mean, it's not that hard to do Marilyn. Um, what's interesting is all of the, um, discourse online about who's allowed to tell that story and are they adapting Joyce Carol Oates and, and what is, what is the, you know, provenance of, of, of telling the true Marilyn Monroe story. I mean, um, uh, Andrew Dominic has, has every right to tell this story as many others have. Uh, it's a, it, that, that keeps coming up. And then, and then the other, um, 
But it's also Venice is very dominated by by Netflix, which obviously couldn't go to Cannes. So uh, we're seeing a big, big, long slate of of Netflix movies uh, coming out from Bardo. Yeah, and, and, and they'll Bard. get those big, splashy red carpet premieres in a way that, you know, obviously you don't get that. They need that. Right. They need they need so. that. And uh, and then the other one uh, relaunching at Venice and significantly so because it was a Sundance uh, title is Living, which I feel very strongly is going to be a major Oscar contender. Um, and it, it is unusual for a movie like that to to go to Venice. So we will see Bill Nye getting a lot of attention for a best actor uh, slot, I think. Yeah, 100 percent feels like it's a, a big moment for him. Thir- 30 years after Love Actually. It'll well, be- that's part of what's made him a cultural icon. Yes. I mean, he's even out there with Florence and the Machine right now with the new yeah. video. I yeah, mean, yeah, no, he's hip. And he's dating. He's dating Anna Wintour of Vogue. Did you know that? No. Wow. You've got a better inside track on this stuff than I do. Although I'm sure I got that from Marcus Jones, our uh, our our new awards editor. Uh, I uh, have his button on. on Pulse That's on. one way to find your way into the award season infrastructure. You, you date the queen of the parties, and then you get into all of them. <laughs> Let's no, call that I, I a long distance great. relationship. But the shall thing we? is, like living is this. I you know there are certain movies like. Um, uh, Call Me By Your Name launched at Sundance and then Sony Classics brought it to the fall festival circuit. Hold this up. one Coda. Coda is a perfect example. That was that also opened in August. Hand. That didn't go to the fall festival. Yeah, yeah. It, it did have to relaunch, but also partly because it didn't have an in-person thing, uh, which this one didn't either. And now it's going to get a big, splashy red carpet moment. It's a very quiet film and an adaptation of Ikiru about a guy in the, you know, who finds out that he's sick and is dying. Ayashiguro. It's yeah. it's a big, it's a it's got a Oliver Hermanis does a beautiful job a South African director. It is really uh, we're going to hear a lot about this. Yeah, Sony Pictures Classics they will run with the ball. So so then we have um, the whale, which is Aronofsky's adaptation of this play with uh, Brendan Fraser as as a very heavy man, a rekindling relationship with an estranged son, you know, shades of the wrestler in that premise, um, you know, of course. And it's that's true. And it's also based on the play um, that, that already existed. So um, I, I'm it has um, uh, comedic aspects to it. And um, I'm curious to see how that's a movie we need to see. You know, we right. need to see how that plays. But I always feel like Aronofsky, you know, with the exception of Noah, which which was a bit of a, a miscalculation. Or the, what, what, the Hugh Jackman one, The Fountain. Oh, you tried to block that one out. I actually really liked the fountain. No, uh, I thought it had a lot. It was it had a lot of ideas, um, and I haven't seen it since it came out. So I'd love to revisit it. But um, but no, but uh, th- this movie does seem more like a, a him in the grounded drama mode that we've seen uh, w- with stuff like uh, it's it's not a mother type of provocation necessarily. But I don't know. We need we do as you say need to see it. So, but I'll Brendan take, Fraser's I'll take story. Darren Aronofsky any day, int- more interesting than anyone else. Any, you know, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine with it. It's just that it's a question for me, as you know. I'm I'm looking at it in, in Oscar terms. I mean, sure. it could be a big Brendan Fraser performance. Hey, Brendan Fraser versus Bill Nye in Oscar season. There you go. Fascinating show. There you now. go. So, <laughs> the '90s are back. <laughs>
So, and Martin McDonough is back. We know him, of course, from um, Three Billboards. Uh, but in this case, uh, I understand um, the Banshees of Inishirin is closer to something like In Bruges, and he brings back the cast: uh, Colin Farrell, Brendan Fraser, uh, Brendan Gleeson. So we are we are looking at. Um, I can't. I mean, again, I'm always in. Uh, on I Martin. love it. I saw his most recent staging, The Hangman on Broadway, and uh, I've seen all his movies in Bruges it was a great time it was so it was such a bitter dark comedy in a way that really helped kind of I think solidify the kind of filmmaker he's become too so and that's Searchlight we'll so they'll be traveling around with that one for a bit before it, it I guess it's, it's, a lot of these films are going I mean the way these two films are definitely going to multiple multiple festivals and then we've got uh, Tiff um, so their big debut uh, their coup their score was to get the Spielberg to get the Fablemans. Yeah. And um, they clearly wanted the kind of all media launch that you get in Toronto. They need a marketing push for this. It's a very personal film, very yeah. small scale film. Michelle Williams and Paul Dano and Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. It's a good, good cast. Very good. And, but, and I remember when we first heard about this, that Tony Kushner was writing a movie for Steven Spielberg based on Spielberg's childhood. We're like, what does that mean? Like, is it a is it just a drama about his childhood or are there aliens or like, what, what is he actually making here? And it does sound like it is about his childhood and really very clearly based on what Cameron Bailey was telling us, setting up the template for how this guy made these tentpole movies, which is itself a talking point in such a big way that well, could be an awards movie. We've seen a lot of filmmakers go back in time. We we saw Roma. We saw Belfast. These movies do play. I'm assuming whatever the commerciality of this film turns out to be. But uh, Cameron was saying it's going to play really well for anyone who loves Spielberg's movies. And that's a big group of right. cinephiles. I mean, that's, that's generations. Decades, decades of people loving loving his films. So so that's a good place to start. But the Academy certainly knows all of Spielberg's films and cares right. about him. He's in his 70s. You know, he's looking back and, and he was um, just nominated for Best Director and, and broke some records on that West front. Side Story. West Side Story. Yeah. yeah. So we, we, we will see uh, about the Fablemans. And uh, and the other one that looks really big, Sam Mendes' Empire of Light, which um, is another sort of Hollywood tinged uh, romance. Yeah, it's actually it sounds like a fascinating companion piece. And I, and I can't wait to dig further into just how much these things are interrelated. He wrote and directed it. It's a romance it's original. in the 80s in a seaside community around an old cinema. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like an all, like a response to the pandemic impact on the industry or something. But it's interesting how all these directors at a certain age are like, maybe I should start going back and looking at why I did all this stuff because I can get away with making a movie like that. Uh, but it looks quite lovely. Olivia Coleman, you know, can do no wrong these days. So excited about that. Tom Firth is on a roll too. I mean, he's, yeah. he's wonderful in the staircase. He could get an Emmy nomination for that. Uh, and um, Sarah Polly, uh, who I admire tre tremendously as a writer and an actress and a director is back yeah. with women talking. And it's been a while since her last narrative feature. So it's exciting to have her back in, in that mode. I mean, she's a really talented filmmaker and, the kind of person who works infrequently enough where you have to go back and remember that she's a great 
filmmaker, but this is a big movie. I mean, it's plan B produced it. It's uh, based on uh, a book by Miriam toes and uh, it's got a pretty significant cast. Francis McDormand, Rumi Mara, Claire Foy, a bunch of Mennonite women having a secret meeting, uh, basically dealing with the fact that they've been drugged and raped by the men in their colony. I mean, it's got one of those, premises it's just like you want to see this movie so i'm well, really excited about that you know and 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 the other the other two movies that i'm excited about are women king w- w- the, the woman king which is the viola davis uh gina prince bythewaite movie that's coming out which also um has this sort of heavy african warrior uh thing going on uh ver- and the one that comes after it of course it, later on not in the festival universe uh of course is the one that broke out of comic-con which is um the, the great one wakanda forever the great trailer uh of the year so we'll see how those yeah, two compare. Those, are, those are in the conversation. And then uh, another TIFF movie that, that I was really curious about was Chevalier, which is, I know has been sort of in the works for a while. And uh, it, it, that's Calvin Harrison as uh, the quote unquote black Mozart. Um, and I'm it just, it looks really come the images. This is a true story. This is, you know, a yeah. real person. And that often plays really, really well. Searchlight is back in, in the festival business. They have four at uh, Toronto. So um, we've got uh, the Banshees of Inisherin. We've got Chevalier, Empire of Light. This fourth Searchlight movie is called The Menu. It's a Rafe Fiennes movie that uh, looks really fun. And A24 and Neon are all over the place too, of course. And then we have the New York Film Festival and we've got two movies coming up there. uh, That we know of already, yeah. She Said, which is the New York Times movie, which is going to stage a big event there, which makes perfect sense. The the, the, the two reporters going after Harvey Weinstein. Harry Mulligan, um, Zoe Kazan, pretty good casting there. I mean, if, how much newness it brings to a story that I feel like we've all lived through very recently. I don't know. It was kind of strange seeing the trailer for that one, but uh, the performances certainly look compelling so the trailer had a huge impact on me and i have a feeling that all the emotions that have been stirred up by roe being overturned and you know the the me too movement went forward after this after 2017 and you know harvey's in jail but uh women's rights are by no means secure at this stage of the game men are getting yes, their own so that- so that so that'll be a big talking point. It certainly makes sense that the New York Film Festival premiere, if you're going to launch it somewhere, it's like a, a homecoming of sorts. And then you also have Till, which was the other one that's been confirmed, and that's I think also opening weekend, but not an opening night film. And that'll be a big one because it's uh, Chinanye Chukwu's first film since Clemency. I loved Clemency. I wish that movie had a bigger life than it ended up having. It was, it so was really overlooked and it shouldn't have been. I pushed hard for it. Uh, Alfre Woodard was amazing in it. Um, and so was Aldous Hodge. But in this case, you have uh, Danielle Deadweiler, who a lot of people discovered um, in uh, Station Eleven, uh, the series on HBO. She's a really, really good actress. And this looks like a great role for her as she advocates for her son, who is a 14-year-old who is lynched. And we've heard of Emmett Till, but maybe we didn't get the whole story. 
Well, this is sort of, uh, in some ways, it's almost like when, when um, Ava DuVernay made Selma and it's like, yeah. you think you know MLK Jr., but this is going to get you a little bit closer to the person, to the particulars and so forth. And in this case, it's like Emmett Till, people hear that name, but what actually happened there? What was that situation like? And it does seem like it'll, it'll have a real emotional impact in award season. Speaking of which, your best picture predictions have just gone out into the world. And one thing that I take away from all this is it's going to be a really unpredictable season. I mean, unless one of these movies is just a towering masterpiece in a way that's so unfathomably great that it just ends the conversation. A lot of these movies sound quite good and very different. So it'll be fascinating to track, but one thing we're going to see later is Pinocchio from Guillermo del Toro, which uh, looks fabulous to me. And it's, it brings up that whole question of, do you just sequester something in best animated feature or is there some way for it to, and and by the way, I finally caught up with Marcel, the shell it's that's an animated movie, you know, it's live action, but it has two little characters in it. And, and there's questions about whether it will be actually, um, eligible. And I certainly hope that it is. Uh, that's yeah. A, I mean, I know that a 24 is, is, is pushing for that. And if you have something like that, plus you have the question about the Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio, you're going to get a lot of attention on the animation category one year after that uh, pushback where Phil Lord and Chris Miller wrote that open letter and said they hated how the Oscars were treating animation as like the domain of kids movies or whatever. So that's yeah. going to be, that's going to gain some, some traction. This exactly year. right. Exactly. And I think right. in so, Guillermo's case too, it's like, there's so much goodwill. He was just nominated for best picture a few months ago. Like Spielberg was just nominated. So he could really kind of push to, to break that mold. Well, too. they take so him very like seriously, especially the crafts, but there's a the whole question of how I remember this came up when you have a stop motion animation movie, you know, the fact that they make real live costumes in miniature to put on these puppets, you know, it, it's, it's a real issue of, 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 you know, they should be taken seriously in these other categories and they never are. It, it just doesn't happen. And the, for Marcel, the shell, the voice talent, the writing that went into it, it's one of the most original, clever screenplays of the year. Why not give that some love? <laughs> Isabella Rossellini was good too. It I mean, it's really cool. It it's a grandma, great. the grandma so show. You have a few lower profile movies that you think. Yeah, are I do think it is always worth noting. I mean, especially like the Venice lineup and and Tiff as well, that there are plenty of movies that are not going to be awards contenders and are just launching the fall festival circuit on some level. I mean, Eternal Daughter from Joanna Hogg is one that I'm really excited to see. Another Hilda Swinton playing yeah. young and old. I'm really looking forward to that. Not part of the trilogy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and, and then there's a, a new film from Jafar Panahi. And Panahi, we spoke about before, had been in prison. Now he's been sentenced to six years in jail. Um, but he's, you know, for a decade, this guy's had the sentence hanging over his head and been banned from filmmaking and had acclaimed films at festivals winning prizes. He's got another one. It's called No Bears. It's going to Venice and uh, Toronto, maybe New York, too. I've heard it's really good. 
And so I'm really excited to see that. I am sure it will not be the Iranian Oscar submission, uh, which is a reminder that this process is, of course, very complicated. And Oh, and, uh, Eric, we have to talk about the French. They, yes, they changed, speaking they of which. their rules, and they are uh, uh, not going to use uh, Thierry Frimaud, the, the head of Cannes. Uh, they're not going to use Serge Tribiana, the head of Unifrance. These are two men who we both respect and admire, but at the same time, they represent Present the old guard and Terry has really thrown his weight around on those Oscar choices yeah. over the years. Well, I mean, the, the most prominent recent example, obviously, is last year that that the committee went for Titan, the Palme d'Or winner over Happening. Happening, obviously, would have been, would have been a good co- choice, yeah. a better choice for the and, Academy. And they haven't won an Oscar I love Titan. It's still not it's still not the uh, an, an Academy friendly movie. It just never would have been. It, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I don't think the issue necessarily even was having those men on the on the board per se. It was more that it the board never changed, that it was consistently the same people. Everyone's always going to have various kinds of conflict of interest. I mean, Jacques Odiard, they've recently announced is going to be one of the people on the committee this year. He's one of the major filmmakers in France. He's worked with a lot of different kinds of people. Who knows how his own personal biases might come into play, but he won't be there for like 10 years now. They'll keep changing it up. And it's a credit to the new minister of culture, uh, at France, in France, a woman named Rima, who was at the festival this year and reports directly to Macron for recognizing that this process needed to be changed. I just love that. That's such a French thing that that, I'm, at that I'm level delighted. of governance. I'm delighted. Um, it's been 30 years. It's been 30 years since they had um, a, a real contender. Okay. So I think at this point where, where we're at is we're waiting to find out more buzz around Telluride. There are a few more TIFF sections that could drop. I'm looking forward to hearing what they have in platform, which sometimes has some interesting sales titles. I mean, don't forget that's where Jackie premiered and then Searchlight picked it up few years ago. So there could be something in there and their midnight section might not be that, but I am excited to see what they put in there. Maybe some genre stuff. I would expect to see something like Ty West Pearl there, which is premiering in uh, Venice. And I hope people get a chance to see and, and, and follow buzz on these films too, because they might not be Oscar films, but they're definitely worth paying attention to. Well, this, it'll be fun to see Toronto back in the game, uh, see all the um, different distributors hovering over the public premieres, you know, looking for acquisitions, you know, there's all, there's a whole market that goes on in Toronto. It's not just um, the big Oscar launch and the junket launch, but all these, all these streamers, need that attention uh, that the, a festival like Toronto can give. So it's really great to see it back in its, you know, in its formal former fighting weight back, back on, on, on top of the game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's sort of like, it just validates that we're moving in some kind of constructive direction. The fact that the, the, this isn't expected to happen in a few weeks and, and we'll see where we land, but next week, hopefully we have a few more updates to dig into in the meantime, okay. man, I'll leave Let's you to your in. predictions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hit me with all your, all the stuff I left out. Uh, <laughs> I will just say that um, this is the first version of it. It will be reiterated many times with lots of updates. And, uh, you know, hit me with your stuff. I I can take it. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. 
Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.